time today, and I asked Marco to do that because um, not only is he a faithful member of our body, but he's also a local local representative for Voice of the Martyrs, and so this is a ministry that he's particularly passionate about, and I thought it'd be good to hear it fresh from someone else besides me, and uh, so thank you, Marco, for serving us so well this morning. Well, with the time that we have remaining, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 8, John chapter 8, and I want to just really look at one verse together this morning that will continue this theme that we've seen uh, in that video that we watched and some of those uh, prayer slides that we were shown, but here's a very familiar text, John chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. We met little Sejun in that video, and we're introduced to his life as a child growing up in the culture of of Buddhism. Uh, You saw that slide that said about 500 million people Uh, on this earth, about 6.3% of the world's population are trapped in the spiritual darkness of Buddhism, which is so ironic to me because the number one claim of Buddhists or Buddhism is that they have been, what? Enlightened. But they're living in darkness as we once were. The Bible portrays all mankind as helplessly and hopelessly wandering around in the dark. And and the scripture uses darkness as a symbol of man's sinfulness. Listen to some verses from both the Old and New Testament. Psalm 107 verse 10, there were those who dwelt in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in misery and chains because they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Proverbs 4.19, the way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Romans 1.21, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. And we know all of this is the result of the prince of darkness, Satan himself, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 17 says, so this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their heart. And then chapter five, Ephesians chapter five, verse 11, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. So based on these verses, all of us are born into the domain of darkness. Our lives were characterized by deeds of darkness. We're blinded to the light by the prince of darkness, and we're destined to spend eternity in pitch black darkness. Now, typically when we think about hell, we think about fire, and fire lights up things, right? But this is the irony of hell, uh, which obviously is a mystery to us. We just have to go 
off of what the scripture says to get the best picture of what hell will be like. But along with hellfire, we see in Matthew 25, verse 30, Jesus said, cast out that worthless slave into the outer darkness in that place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 2 Peter 2.4, we're gonna see this in a few weeks in our study of 2 Peter, uh, talking about false teachers. God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness. And then Jude 13, there are wild waves of the sea foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom the blackest darkness has been reserved. And so you think about that, imagine... um, being in the pitch black for all eternity. I mean, the kind of darkness where you can't even see your hand in front of your face. How terrifying that would be. How fire and darkness uh, fit together. I have heard that the hottest flame um, known to man is a black flame, a dark flame. That's the bad news. The good news is that God has provided us with a light. And the Bible portrays that Jesus is that light who came to rescue us from the darkness of our sin. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, this is a prophecy of the coming Messiah. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who uh, live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. And then the words of Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, prophesying about the coming of Christ. He said in Luke 1, verse 78, because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise from on high shall visit us to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. And we see this this darkness and light motif all throughout the scriptures, but particularly in the gospel of John. And and John uh, really has this as a recurring theme and he, he introduces this concept back in chapter one. You can turn back there. And again, these are all very familiar verses, I assume, to most of you. But here, uh, G- John introduces Jesus as the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, was God. And then it says in verse four, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So he went from describing Jesus as the word, now he's the light. Verse six, there came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. So this is a great reminder that enlightenment does not come from Buddhism, uh, worshiping Buddha or anyone else, but Jesus and Jesus alone. Look at chapter 3, John chapter 3. This is in the context of the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Look at verse 19. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does, not, does evil hates the light and has not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. And so Jesus is referred to in the beginning of the Gospel of John as the light, but in John 8, 12, our text, he actually 
claims to be that light. He calls himself that light. And so he presents himself as the light of the world. Now, if you exclude the story of the woman caught in adultery in chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, which some Bible scholars say was potentially, uh, potentially added to uh, the text. It's not in the, some of the original manuscripts. When I have taught through the Gospel of John, I preached it because it's there. And I'd rather get to heaven and say, have God tell me, say, hey, why didn't you preach that, right? Um, then, hey, you know, or, or, or should, should say, I'm glad you preached that, rather than why didn't you preach that? But the point is that some would say that uh, the text really flows from chapter 7, verse 52, to chapter 8, verse 12. And so the end of chapter 7 is this. They answered him, you are not also from Galilee, are you? Search and see that no, one prophet, no prophet arises out of Galilee. Everyone went to his home. You say, well, where were they and why were they going back home? Well, what we read in verses 12 through 59 of chapter 8 likely occurred the last day of the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. Um, or perhaps a day or so after the celebration is over. You look at chapter 7, verse 2. It says, now the feast of the Jews, the feast of the booths was here. So this was an annual celebration like the Passover. It was called the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacles, where God uh, commanded the nation of Israel to, to build little huts and to live in them for a week and to remember uh, how he had cared for them during the wilderness wandering. And so they would do this every year. Um, and so uh, notice verse 37 of chapter 7. It says, Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So one of the uh, parts of the Feast of Booze was a, what was called the water ceremony, which was performed by the priests on a daily basis. Again, just as a reminder of how God had provided water from a rock when they were wandering in the wilderness. Well, another major tradition that took place at the end of the Feast of Booze was the lighting of the four giant menorahs in the treasury section of the temple. Uh, it was often referred to as the Feast of Lights. And the people would gather around these candelabras every evening with torches and they would sing praises and they would dance till dawn. And, and uh, again, the light from these menorahs not only illuminated the temple area, but the entire city of, uh, of Jerusalem. And so this was symbolic of, of how God guided and, and protected the nation of Israel in the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day. You remember in Exodus chapter 13 when they were rescued and God delivered them out of the land of Egypt. And God went before them in a cloud by day and a, and a, a pillar of fire by night. And so at the end of this feast, uh, the, the flames of these great lights were extinguished. And that's likely when Jesus stood up and presented himself as the light, not just to the Jews, but of what? The world. He says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, this was a cosmic claim. When, when Jesus said, I am, which was the second of seven, I think, uh, total I am statements in the Gospel of John, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. 
Each of those I am statements were intended to evoke memories of that epic moment when God revealed himself to Moses before the burning bush when he said, I am. And so by taking, um, by saying, claiming I am, that was really the emphasis of the statement, I am, he was claiming uh, to be God. He was taking on the name of God and, and, and claiming equality with God. And so he said, I am the light of the world. And even that in and of itself, Jesus was clearly claiming to be God because in the Old Testament, God likened himself to the light. Psalm 27, verse 1. Uh, 1 John 1, 5 would be another example. Uh, 1 John 1, 5. This is the message we've heard from him and announced to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. So when Jesus said, I am the light... He was claiming to be God. He was also claiming to be the Messiah who God had promised to send send to be the light to the nations. Uh, Isaiah chapter 42, verse 6. This is a, a prophecy of the coming Messiah. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you. And I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations. And then Isaiah 90, or excuse me, 49, 6. He says, is it too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel? I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And so here Jesus was claiming to be God, claiming to be the Messiah sent by God to a world that was shrouded in darkness. And his point was very simple. Without a relationship with me, there is no way to escape sin's darkness. I have come to bring light, to bring you out of the darkness into the light. And notice he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So there was a condition here. He says, I'm the light of the world, but if you want to experience that light and you want to escape the darkness then you need to follow me. And we've mentioned this before over the years of all the statements that Jesus made during his life and ministry, none was more repeated and more often, more often than, than follow me. Some 20 times throughout the Gospels and even here in the Gospel of John, uh, it, it really climaxes uh, in, in John chapter 21 when Jesus restored Peter and he described um, the kind of death he was going to die. And, uh, and then um, Peter was like, well, hey, what about John? And he said, hey, don't worry about John. You what? Follow me. And so I think it's important that we understand these two words, follow me, because these came straight from the mouth of Christ himself. They dominate his message to mankind. And so they, need to be, they must be crucial to understanding what it means to be a Christian. And so what does it mean to follow me? What did Jesus meant when he said, follow me? He meant to come to him in repentance and faith, acknowledging your sin, putting your faith in him as your personal Lord, your personal Savior, and committing your entire life to obey him, to, to, to submit to his will for your life. I think it's interesting, um, you could compare the Shekinah glory in the Old Testament, in Numbers chapter 9, verses 15 to 23, um, 
how the Israelites would follow the Shekinah glory wherever it went. And, and you can read that uh, on your own, Numbers chapter 9, uh, where the Shekinah glory would come and hover over the tabernacle. And as long as it was over the tabernacle, what did the people do? They camped out. And as soon as that Shekinah glory up and moved, what did they do? They, 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 they picked up camp, right, and, and headed out and followed that Shekinah glory wherever it went, and then it would sit down again, and it might be for a day, it might be for a week, it might be for a month, but they would just, they follow that Shekinah glory. And that's the idea here of following Christ, that you, you, you go where Christ leads you. you. You don't take one, you don't make one move, you don't go in any other direction than the direction he tells you to go. Your life um, is consumed with honoring and obeying and serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So, I want to ask you, those of you that are here this morning, have you repented of your sin and received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you committed, have you committed your life to follow and obey Jesus? If you haven't, then today is the day to do that. And if you do, you'll be delivered from the domain of darkness and the dominion of Satan, and have your sins forgiven, and you'll be enabled to walk in his glorious light. I love how Paul described his ministry, traveling around Asia, sharing the gospel, planting churches, and this is what he said in Acts 26, 18. He said, I do all this to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. In Colossians chapter one, I already read this before communion, that the Father has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, for he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. If you choose to reject the light of Christ, you can sign yourself to continue walking through life, stumbling over, you don't even know what you're stumbling over because you, you'll continue to walk in darkness. And you'll also condemn yourself to live in the darkness of hell forever. John chapter 12, just turn a couple pages to the right. John chapter 12 Verse 35, so Jesus said to them, for a little while longer the light is among you. Walk while you have the light so that darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons of light. So Jesus was saying, hey, take advantage of the opportunity that the light is standing here right in front of you. Don't miss this opportunity to become a son of light. Look at verse 46, John 12, 46. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. Listen, Christ is the light of the world. And when we come to him, we become the light of the world as well. And it's through us that Christ shines to reach those still living in the dark. 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus not only called himself the light, he said that we are the light. Notice he says, you are the light of the world. Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that we may see, they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 says this. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Philippians 2, 15. Prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. And then 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So God saved us so that we could proclaim his excellencies and tell people about how we were called out of darkness into his marvelous light and how they can be also called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And it was through the bold and faithful witness of that teacher that St. June came to know Christ and was truly enlightened in that Buddhist culture. And then it was through the bold and faithful witness of Sejun that his mother eventually came to know Christ and was delivered from the spiritual darkness of Buddhism. And there are people in our community and around the world that God wants to use our bold and faithful witness to help them come out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's pray. Father, we praise you. We thank you for having mercy on us by sending your son Jesus, to serve as a light for us who were living in the dark because of our sin. I pray that you would show mercy to anyone who may have stumbled in here today still living in the darkness. Grant them genuine repentance and and faith and a willingness to turn away from their sin and commit their lives to follow and obey Jesus as their Lord and Savior from this day forward so that they'll never have to experience the eternal blackness and darkness of hell. And Lord, I ask that you would graciously grant those of us who you have made children of light the grace that we need to walk as children of light and make the good news of salvation in Christ shine brightly from our lives and and be spoken boldly from our lips. And Lord, may the stories of those who risk everything to be lights for Christ in the world's most difficult and dangerous places inspire us today to faithfully follow Christ no matter the cost. We pray this in his name. Amen.